Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Chef Dr. Mike, who is a professor of culinary medicine at the University of Montana. Chef Dr. Mike, how you doing? I am doing great, Timothy. Thank you so much for having me on the program today. Excited to be here. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. And it's always a pleasure to do the podcast. And I'm excited to hear more about your dreams and your goals. So we like to jump right in. If you could start with just telling us a little bit about yourself and some of the things that you like to do for fun, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, sure. So uh, I am an interventional cardiologist, um, and that means we do a little bit of extra training so that we can be called at 2 a.m. when people are having heart attacks and we open those arteries up. Uh, I am also a professional chef, and I combine those by teaching culinary medicine uh, at the University of Montana, and um, lots of uh, exciting things there. And what do I do for fun? Um, It's going to sound totally weird, um, but I do culinary medicine for fun. So when you talk about living the dream, you know, um, my life is like a Jimmy Buffett song. Um, Today in particular was a great day. So uh, yeah, I, I enjoy cooking. Um, I love working with people. I love helping people in, in health. I get to do that. Um, and, and really, I guess one of the other things I really enjoy that's not related to that kind of sort of is, you know, getting out in nature. Um, I, I love to mount, mountain bike. So uh, I live in Montana, um, which it's raging snow out there at the moment. But uh, for the spring and summer, we have great weather and beautiful scenery. Is it seriously snowing out there right now? Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it, there's a whole squall. So, uh, yeah, welcome to Montana. It's it's actually snowed in Montana in June. And it, it didn't stick, but it, it, it we actually get a snow. And if you go just north of us up uh, to Glacier National Park, I mean, yeah, that, that, that the road up there that's called Going to the Sun Road doesn't even open till May because it's just, it's, you know, six, eight, ten feet of snow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Dude, could not be me. I love the heat. I love Texas heat. <laughs> I love the ocean. And, you know, what's great is, is you take a little break from Montana in February, you know, go hit the, the coast somewhere uh, and, you know, get a little bit of that sun and that warmth. Uh, I appreciate that, too. So so yep. try to mix in a little little of it all. Love it. Love it. Well, tell us a little bit more about your motivation, what gets you up and keeps you going every day. Um, just really enjoy the, the, the challenges of building um, the culinary medicine you know, program, which is all about food and health. So, so I just get to do the, 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 the passions. Um, I love helping people and I love empowering people to help themselves. So, you know, it's great to go in, as I said, at two o'clock in the morning, open an artery up and, and help somebody, you know, save, save a life. I, I, I am not discounting that at all. But boy, when you give somebody the tools to then take control of their life, as we do in culinary medicine, and um, improve their life, and and also at the same time bring joy, because you know, great food with friends and family for me, and and for a lot of the people that you know I interact with, 
that's just a source of joy and pleasure. And when you can bring health and happiness on a plate to somebody, man, um, yeah, that that's incredibly, incredibly satisfying. And um, and I also, you know, get to play in the kitchen and, and make great food with great ingredients. And and you know, one of the things in culinary medicine that is one of our principles, our, our sort of foundation principle, is really connecting to your food. And so I also get to go out and meet the great people, um, you know, particularly locally, but also uh, as I travel around the country, around the world, meet the great people who, you know, who feed us, um, you know, the farmers and the ranchers and the fishermen and, you know, connect with their product. And it's great. Um, you know, it just it makes me excited um, when I when I get to do that and when I get to get to share that. And when you can transform that into, you know, people are looking obviously to build businesses and do things that they love to do. But I feel when you can be involved in something for, for me, culinary medicine is more like a movement, you know, it's, uh, it's about empowerment. Um, it's about helping other people. Uh, it's about helping the planet. Um, so when we talk about eating, we're talking about, yeah, you got to eat that, you know, in a form that sustains your body. We want you to eat the foods that you love, but we also have to do it in a way that helps the planet. And, and there are ways out there and there are people doing that. And, you know, to be able to, to share that and say, have somebody say, wow, I never knew that, you know, I could go to this person and, you know, maybe get a chicken and it's part of a regenerative farm. So it's actually helping the planet, you know, as I, I benefit and as I have this wonderful meal. And it's, um, like I said, it's, 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 I, I feel like my life's a Buffett song. What more can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I love it. Tell us a little bit more about culinary medicine and, you know, what types of foods we should be eating, how they should be cooked. Just give us a little brief synopsis on that. Oh, sure. Um, so, you know, culinary medicine, one of the things that's different about, because people often say, well, how is it different than nutrition? Um, and certainly we appreciate all the things that nutrition, that we incorporate the evidence base and the knowledge from nutrition. But food is so much more, you know, there's such an attitude, particularly in medicine, that food is fuel. Well, you know what? People aren't cars. Food isn't fuel. We're human beings and we're part of this great ecosystem called nature. And so culinary medicine wants to take all that into effect. So we look at the important things like how we eat our food, when we eat our food, with whom we eat our food. And, and we shift the perspective from looking at things like carbohydrates or saturated fat. I mean, you know, to the, you don't get up in the morning and say, man, I am craving uh, 14 grams of saturated fat right now. You, you eat food. And, and so we have to look at uh, food in the context of food. And that goes back to some research that was done over a decade ago. And there's still leaders in the field from the University of Sao Paulo in Brazil where they said, you know what really matters in our modern food is not red meat or vegetables or, or those kind of categories, but whether it's natural ingredients, wholesome food, or it's ultra processed food. Well, over the last several years, the idea of examining food as ultra processed food has shown incredibly destructive potential of these types of foods in terms of um, obesity, diabetes, heart disease, et cetera. And so in culinary medicine, we want to get back to eating real food. And it's really, really that simple. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> get back to eating real food. And I like how you focus on the experience part so that when you're eating and whom you're eating with, tell us a bit more about that. Sure. So uh, one of the things we focus on in culinary medicine, and I use this as an example, uh, is something uh, in the literature referred to as MB hyphen 
EATS, E-A-T with a small S. And it stands for Mindfulness-Based Eating Awareness Techniques. And it's an idea of, you know, we really concentrate. If, you, if you've ever been to a wine tasting, which I know can, can be a little sort of snobby, but right, they smell the wine and they swirl it and they look at the wine. And, and, and then you get a little information about this was grown, you know, two years ago on this acre of land in Southwest France. And they had the Mistral winds come in that summer. So, you know, it was really great. And can you taste the, the, the chalkiness of the soil and and I'm sort of you know exaggerate but what it, it focuses on is that real food has flavor it has it's a representation of the time and place it came from and so in these mindfulness uh, based eating awareness techniques we really want to get into that with our food um, as, as one type of exercise and fascinatingly what the research shows us is what that when we do that First, we shift our normal sort of dopaminergic reward system functioning in our brain. We switch that to one based on oxytocin, which is gratitude, love. Oxytocin is known as the love hormone, and it's integral in binding the mother and child, and then a relationship we all have you know, with our moms and the moms have with us. So we shift that, and when we look, at the data that it just how we eat can lower markers of inflammation in our body. Uh, it's associated by looking at MRI studies at increasing our cognitive function, meaning that we don't see the types of age-related decay uh, of, of the brain that we might otherwise see when we engage you know, in mindfulness through our food. And one of the most fascinating studies I came across, uh, one, uh, two actually, but they're related. So uh, one was was just published um, within the last two or three weeks, and it showed showed that ultra processed foods correlate with physiologic aging. So I'm sure you you maybe know somebody and that you went to school with, and it's like God, they look like they're 20 years older than they should be. And on the other hand, there's somebody else who who looks 20 years younger. And so we have a chronologic age uh, that we experience and you know so many trips around the sun as it were uh but we also have a physiologic age which as we say in medicine you know it's not the uh it's not the years it's the miles um, and and that's reflected at the level of our cells in something we call a telomere length so if you were to tie your sneakers, you know those little plastic caps at the end of the laces, right? They keep the laces from just fraying. Well, we have those on our cells. They're the caps at the end of our DNA, and those are called telomeres, and they do the same thing. They keep the DNA from falling apart. Well, as we age, they get shorter and shorter and shorter, and so we see that people eat a lot of ultra-processed food have very short telomeres. In other words, they're actually increasing their physiologic age. And when people eat the way that we're talking about and utilize things like mindfulness-based eating awareness techniques um, and those sorts of things, we see that that rate slows down. So in other words, we're, we're slowing down our rate of physiologic aging. And that's just mind-bending when you think about how you eat can affect how you age beyond just what you put in your body. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is wild. <laughs> that, that's crazy. Yeah. And, and um, one of the discoverers of telomeres uh, won the Nobel Prize some years back. Um, I forget exactly. She's with one of the universities in, in California and she won the Nobel Prize uh, for demonstrating the telomeres and physiologic aging and, and those types of data sets.
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. And so you're saying not just what you put in, but also the actual experience of you eating the food can change the yes. telomeres? Yeah. So what, what we find is um, when we engage in, in mindfulness-based eating awareness techniques, a form of, of mindfulness exercise, is that we, we change our physiologic response and, and we slow down physiologic uh, aging, which makes sense because when we measure things like markers of inflammation, we see those come down as well. And, and there's a whole school of thought that one of the reasons that we age is that sort of this cumulative stress, this cumulative inflammation is actually what's involved in the aging process. Um, so yeah, so, so attitude counts for a lot. And so often in modern you know, Western medicine, we like to focus on things that, that we can measure. And now fortunately we can measure things like that, but we're not real good at like measuring attitude. Uh, we know, for example, in the cardiology literature, it's, it's well established that somebody who's involved in a loving relationship has a, you know, a strong partner support, um, strong social network, et cetera everything else remaining the same, those people are less likely to have heart attacks. When they do have heart attacks, they're less serious, they recover quicker, and they're less likely to have repeat events. So as a scientist, as a cardiologist, what does that tell me? It tells me love's pretty powerful medicine, but just, you know, I, I can't prescribe you 21 love units tomorrow morning to take with every meal. <clears throat> we can't quantitate it. And therefore, it tends to kind of go off the table in terms of therapies we can use because we can't we can't quantitate it, we can't measure it. I don't have a marker like I can measure your blood cholesterol, give you a pill, and see how that affects um, uh, you know affects your outcomes. Um, conversely, we know that depression is as potent a risk factor for cardiovascular disease as any cholesterol level but I can't write 21 units of happiness either. So that tends to, to fall by the wayside. And what we have to realize, and one of the things that we talk about in culinary medicine is being comfortable with uncertainty, right? That's the way the universe is built. And so just because we can't quantify those things, we can't measure those things, it doesn't mean that they're not real. And it doesn't mean they don't have very real effects. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love Good. that. Well, tell us a bit about your vision for the movement? <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm looking forward to the day when uh, you come and said, hey, I know about culinary medicine. So first we're, you know, we're really just trying to get the word out. And it's, it's got such a resonance uh, with folks because they understand it. And, and I'll share a little story with you because this kind of exemplifies it to me. It's, it's so much common sense that you know, I think having almost a medical education gets in your way. And, and by that, I mean, I was at a, a conference at a medical center and I was talking about culinary medicine and the public was invited and I got all these great responses from the public. And they're like, I get this. Wow. You know, I want to learn more. This, this makes a lot of sense. This is kind of what I always thought. Yet the medical people couldn't get out of the box of, you know, so much protein, carbohydrates, you know, you can't eat saturated fat. And they were kind of getting in their own way. You know, they, they couldn't see the forest for the trees. So I really look forward to the day when, you know, I can get this word out to the, to the masses in terms of a platform. And because ultimately, you know, Timothy, it's about you empowering yourself with culinary medicine because it's, it's you that eats and you know what you like to eat and who you like to eat it with and, and so on and so forth. So, 
you know, it's not like practicing cardiology that like people really shouldn't probably do in their living room. Um, you know, the average person, yes, that, that's very specialized, but culinary medicine isn't, you know, it is for everyone uh, to use and embrace themselves. So I, I'd love to see it more widely recognized. Um, we are slowly grudgingly getting accepted into medical circles um, because the data is so overwhelming that people can't deny the facts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And so how are you going about getting the word out right now, other than, you know, coming on podcasts? <laughs> well, I'm here with you. That, that, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. we're getting it out. Um, right. We teach the course and, and we've utilizing, you know, the pandemic came in and all of a sudden in colleges and, and other centers of learning, all of a sudden you had to be able to teach and get your word out without people sitting in the classroom. So we developed a version of the online course, our introductory course, uh, for the public. So, you know, people can go and they can educate themselves. Uh, if they finish it, they get a micro accreditation from the university. We partnered with the American Culinary Federation so that chefs, the people who know food, right, the people who teach us how to make all those delicious things, uh, they can have input into the culinary medicine conversation through something called a culinary medicine approved kitchen which is uh, issued and recognized by the American Culinary Federation. And the idea is that you as a consumer will be able to search you know, kitchens and restaurants in your location. So when you go out to eat and you're spending those dollars, you don't have to rely on somebody saying, yeah, this is farm to table, you know, as the industrial truck backs up to the loading dock and you know, they're, they're getting all their prepackaged goods. It's a sort of a third party uh, independent verification. In other words, a Michelin star for serving delicious and healthful food. So we've got those projects going, developing um, a, a tiered level of classes at the University of Montana. We're having the first ever uh, culinary medicine symposium at the University of Montana this summer, August uh, 14th weekend, 12th to 14th, uh, in partnership with a couple of other educational institutions and the American Culinary Federation. And uh, actually, we're also uh, producing a TV show. So House Calls with Chef Dr. Mike will air on uh, Montana PBS. Uh, and we, literally, you and I were talking you know, before we went on the air. We just got word of that. And we're looking forward to then taking that one episode and developing that you know, into series so that people can tune in and be entertained, uh, but also be educated. You know, and, and we can share culinary medicine information, techniques, um, they can cook along with us, all these great things. We do webinars with the university once a month called practical culinary medicine webinars because, you know, culinary medicine comes in two flavors. So there's like, why are we doing this? Why are we picking these ingredients? And that's all the coursework kind of things, you know, the books and the studies. But there's the other, what I consider the really fun part, which is like, how do I make it? Right? How do I make a stock? How do I hold a knife so I don't cut my fingers off? Um, all those basic sorts of things. How do I do a, an exercise in you know, mindfulness that centers around eating so I can practice that attitude of gratitude you know, at least once a day with one meal because um, we're also very busy. So uh, we just got our culinary medicine kitchen space allotted at the culinary school. Uh, so I have a cross appointment in the College of Health, which is where the program is based. But I also have an appointment in our culinary school as a professional chef. And we just got our space approved, which was a what was being used as a, uh, a, a politely say storage facility. So I have a lot of cleaning to do before we get it in shape. But we'll be doing our monthly 
webinars from that uh, area and, and broadcasting those as well. So we're putting the resources out for folks um, and we're partnering to folks to, to really inc increase that platform. And um, much to my chagrin, I am behind on my, my latest fifth book, which I will get out over the winter. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. Tell us one more time the name of the TV show. Uh, it's going to be called House Calls with Chef Dr. Mike. And uh, it's uh, really a case study of culinary medicine. So uh, I, I don't want to give too much away, but I'll tease that, you know, people often hear when, oh, there's a doctor and a chef and he's going to talk about eating, that it's all about, you know, this vegetable dish and you got to be vegetarian or vegan. And I want folks to tune in because they're going to be very surprised by what we cook. So you're telling me I get to eat meat? <laughs> I'm talking about eating some, let's just call this me, shall we say, some red meat for the masses. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, awesome. What really caused you to take your first step towards pushing the movement of culinary medicine? Well, um, what really pushed me was my own uh, challenges. Uh, and, and so I had grown up with food and a love of food. Uh, the first job I had to help pay to go through college was food related. I actually started my culinary career as a dishwasher uh, for many months until a, a spot opened up on, on the uh, line. Then I line cooked for a while. And then I was, went to a restaurant, um, which though I didn't really know it at the time, was really sort of very farm to table, very ahead of its time in the ingredients and things we got. And that's where I really learned to cook. I do have a culinary degree uh, in gourmet cooking and, and catering, which I later went back and, and got. And then I went off to medical school and internship and residency and really got away from what I knew was really, you know, good food and, and, and healthful food. You know, you're working these insane hours uh, as a, an intern and resident you're eating whatever the, the drug rest at the time were dropping off, which was all this fast food crap. I did my residency at the home of Krispy Kreme donuts. Uh, so, you know, I would finish a shift and then have to be back to start, you know, at 6 a.m. And when that red light was on, man, it was a jumbo coffee, a couple of those, you know, Krispy Kremes that melt in your mouth because they're they're hot and just coming out. And, and eventually um, I was getting married and we were getting married over in the UK. And so I had an ingrown toenail and I went to see a podiatrist and he comes in and he, he looks at the x-ray and he looks at me and he goes, I'll be right back. And then he does this like four or five times and he goes, can I just ask you something? I was like, yeah, sure. I'd like to get started. He said, do your feet hurt? I was like, yeah, of course my feet hurt all the time. He's like, you need like a joint replacement a year ago. He's like, how are you even walking? And um, turns out I went and got a second, and exactly, he was exactly right. And because I thought I was a great athlete um, in my high school days, and I wasn't, um, I suffered a lot of broken bones and torn ligaments and, you know, all the things that you do when you push your body because you're, you're not really a great athlete, but you're trying to be one. And, uh, and you pay for those, you know, down the road years later. <coughs> Excuse me. So I started to look at, well, what can I do? Because I really don't want a joint replacement right now. And diet was something I knew I could change and really had to change. And that was over 20 years ago. I still don't have any joint replacements. Um, I can't go play basketball because of the hard impact. But, you know, I can hike the mountains of Montana, you know, for eight or 12 hours a day, uh, you know, taking my time and walking. So that is 
where the, it really um, turned for me. And then eventually with patients, you know, because it's like, well, I started to really do the research and drill down. It's like, you know, I'm telling patients things that, that aren't necessarily true because I can't find any data to support what I'm telling them. Where's the, where's the study saying margarine is better than butter? I, I don't see one. And in fact, what I see is the opposite, that full fat dairy reduces your likelihood of getting diabetes by about 5%. So why, wow. And, and this whole sort of world opened up. And as a professional chef, you know, it was a rabbit hole. I was more than happy to fall down. I jumped in. I jumped down that rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love it. Well, if there are one or two people or one or two types of people out there that were able to help you really push this movement of culinary medicine, who would they be and how would they do it? Uh, so one person that's, that's really helped me um, is somebody who believed in me years ago, which was um, my dean uh, of the, the College of Health. Uh, and he had read one of my books and we met and he said, I really, you know, like your data said, it, you, you're onto something here. And would you like to, you know, come to the university and, and you know, have a platform, have a place to share this uh, information? Um, we won't pay any money because, <laughs> but, 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 you know, we're happy to, we think this is important. And uh, so that was really, you know, um, key for, for me. Um, that person really helped because they believed in, in me. And the other person who has been instrumental, you know, has been my wonderful wife because uh, one, she's a professional food photographer. So she makes me look good all the time with, with real food. And, and the second is, you know, when you pursue these dreams, um, they're not always easy choices. So you know, I was on call. I was making very good amount of money as an interventional cardiologist, working very hard. Um, and, I, and I said, you know, this is my passion. This is my dream. And, and I want to try to make it come real. Um, but, you know, to do that, I need time and I need flexibility. Long and short means about a 60 to 70% pay cut and things may be lean for a little while. And, and she believed in me um, and she's supported and helped and been a partner in working that. And, and I'll be honest with you, you know, there, there are days, uh, there were days, especially early on. I mean, people said, I had colleagues tell me, hey, Mike, um, I think you're right. I love your data set. Um, all this makes sense. But yeah, I, I can't support you because this is against the mainstream. Um, you know, I can't be an academic cardiologist and, and say, I, I support this. I think you're right, I wish you good luck, but you know, it's politically, it's political suicide. Uh, even though they believe the data was right. And, you know, and, and so many naysayers along the way. And you know, it, it's, it is honestly so important to have somebody like that in your corner. Cause there's days you, I, I'll, I'll be completely honest, not every day has been sunshine. And there are plenty of days I look and say, why the hell am I doing this? I've, I made myself poor. I, you know, I'm struggling, um, you know, people just won't accept the, the message because it's contrary to, you know, it bucks conventional wisdom in a lot of ways. Um, but I knew in my heart it was right. And, and, you know, and you only need a few people, key people to believe in you um, that keep you going. And it, at the end of the day, you know, we talk about culinary medicine. Um, it is about happiness um, because it, it comes down to relationships. And, and what we know from the Harvard Happiness Study, which was a study that's still ongoing, it's, I think it's at 80 years now, 
where they asked a really simple question. They said, what is it in our lives that leads to health, wellness, and longevity and, and, and a happy life, which is what we all want at the end of the day, because we're all mortal. And, you know, at, at, at a certain point, you know, the race is run, the song is sung, and you get to look back and say, you know, how was it? And what they found is it's not how much money you make. It's not the car you drive. Uh, it's not how many likes you get on Facebook or how many Instagram people share your food photo. It's the quality of the relationships in our lives. And in culinary medicine, we want to focus on one very specific relationship. And that's our individual relationship with food. Because if that's not healthy and, and, and strong, none of our relationships will be. And so we use that and that food relationship, that food experience as a, as a cornerstone so that we can build other great relationships in our lives. And it's these relationships we have with people that at the end of the day are, are the powerful influences in our lives. And, and that is also corroborated by the data set uh, from what's called the Blue Zone Studies. Uh, Dan Buettner's done some great work in that, um, sponsored by National Geographic, where they've looked around the world where there's these unusual populations of people who are over 100 years old. And they're not just old, but they're functional and they're doing things. And, you know, is it a magic, you know, berry that they eat? Is it a magic elixir? Is it that they exercise incredibly well? No, the, the most important things are, is that they have very strong uh, social uh, relationships. And, and the same thing that we learned in the Harvard Happiness Study. So yeah, uh, if, if you're gonna develop one thing in your life, make it a worthwhile relationship. I'm here to help you have one with food, um, you know, and, and from, use that as a springboard. But, but that's, what, that's what you really wanna cultivate. That's the best medicine. And it doesn't cost a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that, I love that. Well, awesome. What are the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to help you really push this movement? Um, you know, follow us on social media, Chef Dr. Mike, ChefDrMike.com. Uh, share, I'm always, you know, uh, putting up food or sharing some data. So any anything that these folks can do, you know, social media has become such a, a powerful way uh, to get our message out. And it really is a, a grassroots message, right? You know, Kraft Macaroni and Cheese ain't giving me a dime to spread medicine that says don't eat Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. And these are powerful forces um, throughout the globe, not just here in the United States, but you know, throughout the globe. So we really count on, on folks to get involved, share the message, participate, ask questions, um, but, but share the word. And, and the way that we can do that as individuals is, is really whatever social media platform, you know, you're, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, et cetera, LinkedIn, you know, all those big ones, Sh share the messages, uh, share the tweets, um, share the joy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I kind of want to go back to the uh, relationship aspect that you just, like the key to living happy life is fulfilling positive relationships, right? So tell us a little bit about culinary medicine and how you guys kind of shape meals to maximize relational quality. Because like lunch is really hard in the middle of the work day, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so lunch is hard and people, uh, you know, many people uh, like myself, you know, I get up in the morning and it's, you know, a, a cup or two of coffee and, you know, I'm, I'm out on my way. What I'd say is, is, you know, if you can, at least once a day, um, if, if not, certainly maybe a couple of times a week is stop. First, 
stop and forgive yourself because most people want to beat themselves up for not for not to oh you know I'm I I, I ate a hot dog at, at lunch I wasn't thinking about it I've blown everything I'm worthless why even bother sort of thing stop stop forgive yourself it's okay we're human you know I've done martial arts for many many decades and you know there's an old saying in Japan you know fall down six times get up seven uh, something like that so it's about the getting up so stop blaming yourself dust yourself off uh, you know get get back on that on that horse uh, as it were. And, you know, then I would say, really, um, the benefits that we talked about in this mindfulness, uh, there's a minimum threshold that we start to see, and it's only about, you know, 12 minutes a day. So, for example, I'll share with you what I do, which is, you know, because I'm, I'm crazy busy many times, etc. And, and even on call, but I could take a few minutes before I eat, and I just bring a little gratitude to the meal. So I stop. And, and I want to be thankful. And the studies have shown it, it really doesn't matter. You know, you, you can make it a religious thing if you want. You can make it a non-religious thing if you want. Simply having an attitude of gratitude, again, shifts our uh, neural starting point into that oxytocin-based center. And I give thanks. And, you know, for me, I'm, I'm thankful for whatever gave its life. So I can eat plant, animal, fungi, you know, whatever it is. I thank the people, uh, even though I might know them, not know them, who, who worked and prepared that food. Um, so I shift before I eat into an attitude of gratitude and it helps shrug off the BS of the day. And then I just take, you know, a few moments when I eat to taste the food. That's all it is. You think about how mindlessly we eat and how we're encouraged to eat mindlessly. Oh, I'm going to multitask and get this done. You know, if I watch the news while I eat, I can get two things done at once. It turns out actually our, our brains don't work that way. Our brain is like a pizza. Our attention is like a pizza. So, you know, you can cut it into many slices as you want, um, but everything's just getting a smaller slice. of Everybody's getting a smaller slice of pizza. So you only have so much attention. Um, and, and I get in and, and I, I experience and I enjoy that food. And I, I try to thank those wonderful thoughts. And if you can do that with one meal and, and just take a few minutes to slow it down, you're, you're going to start to see benefits, especially when you actually start to taste your food. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. And tell us the name of those techniques one more time. Sure. Uh, folks can look them up. They're called MB, uh, like uh, Michael Bryan hyphen eats with a small s and it stands for mindfulness based eating awareness techniques there's a couple other things but if you if you just look up mb eats you'll see them and we actually did a, a webinar last year uh where i walked people through uh some of them so uh, i told people to bring you know uh, if, if it was that time of day wherever you were you could have a glass of wine but a, a, a coffee a tea something had a little flavor and we did another one with a little bit of food so it could be a raisin or just a peanut and, and we walk through, you know, a, a sort of a 10, 15 minute exercise on how to do that. And that's available for free on the YouTube channel. So folks can just look at our practical culinary medicine webinars. And, you know, I'll, I'll by extension and through video, you know, I'll, I'll walk you through an example of that. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Well, now we're going to jump into our thriving three. This is where <laughs> I get to hear a little bit about you. So what's your favorite book, movie or podcast? Pick one. Okay, well, we know the podcast, right? That, that, that's <laughs> Timothy Douglas right there. So uh, that, that's an easy one. Um, so my, uh, my favorite movie is Pirates of the Caribbean. 
Um, you could probably see a little pirate flag back there. And I really, that's because I really identify with the, with sort of the pirate stand as it were, because that's what I was confronted with. Right. And I saw, I, I could have been conscripted to go, go along with convention, make a lot of money and just keep my mouth shut and do what everybody else was doing. But, you know, when you see the truth being buried, when you see it being take hostage, you know, you, you have a choice. Um, you, you can go along with the masses or, you know, as we say, you can spit on your hands, hoist the colors and take a pirate stand. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I love it. What's one more and, you like to? Oh, what's it. that? Sorry, go ahead. No, you keep on, keep on. Oh, oh and I was going to say, it's really hard for me to nail down um, a favorite book because it, it varies. And there's so many classics and things I enjoy um, that I always go back to. But if I was going to say there was uh, a book of uh, that I've really enjoyed in terms of recent influence, I would say uh, it's uh, the, the most recent book by Carlos Rovelli. And he's a, and I'm going to sound like a total nerd on this, but he's a uh, theoretical physicist. And so it's a book on quantum loop of gravity, but hear me out. So it's, it's not all nerds and numbers. There's, there's no math in it. And he writes it for the, the average person. And really what I found fascinating is he talks about, well, what is the, what do we know is the, is the fundamental reality of the universe? And, and it's beautiful things. And it's things that really, that we harp on in culinary medicine, believe it or not. And culinary medicine does not involve math either. <clears throat> so no high level math. But he talks about, you know, um, there's a granularity to the universe. So we don't go infinitely small until there's nothing left. We, uh, there's things called, you know, a, a space time that's measured in Planck constants. So, you know, it's like 10 to the minus 33 this and 10 to the minus four, 44 that. Um, you know, seconds and, and, and uh, centimeters. Um, but there's a, there's a granularity. And it's the same thing with food, right? You know, so often we get too carried away in breaking down our food into carbohydrates and percent set fat and this and that. But at the end of the day, right, we cook with ingredients. Though That's our, our, our granularity. And he talks about the fact that there is a randomness inherent in the universe there is an uncertainty that we've already talked about that we incorporate in culinary medicine because in the reality of the way the universe is constructed, there's an uncertain element. So without getting too metaphysical, um, that leads me to the third thing, which is we don't live in a universe of things. We live in a university of relationships. So for example, an electron is a probability function. It really doesn't exist until it interacts with something. And then we identify that was an electron. And then at the quantum level, that electron ceases to exist again. It becomes a probability function. So reality, as we know it, is actually blinking in and out of existence. And the only way we get a glimpse of it is, is by its relationships. And we are part of this you know, wonderful macro ecosystem called nature. And, and we are defined by our relationships that we have in it. And, and the wonderful thing, as we talked about in culinary medicine, it turns out that those relationships are what would bring us, you know, our health, our wellness, our longevity, and most importantly, our happiness. Our corollary to that in culinary medicine is you can't take the diner out of dinner. Mm. <laughs> 
I love it. Awesome. What's the book's name again? Title? Uh, oh, I have it right here. So I will show it because I always keep it. Forgive the stuff I spilled on it. And it's called Reality is Not Why It Seems by Carlos. And I get my fingers out of the way. Rovelli. Gotcha. I always keep it there because I find it very, you know, inspirational. So it's, it's one of my one of my many favorite books. Yeah. A favorite book is like saying, what's your favorite kid? It's like, well, we love them all. <laughs> Sometimes we love one more than the other. <laughs> yes, yes no, exactly, exactly. What's one way you like to care for yourself? <laughs> yes. Oh, so what is one way you like to care for yourself? Oh, um, you know, by uh, taking, you know, time out, uh, so easy to get overwhelmed because our our culture and our technology allows us to work nonstop 24 seven. And, and then it's easy that we ignore ourselves and time for ourselves. Um, and, you know, I remember being a cardiology resident and obviously wanting to do a really good job and working really, really hard. And, and one of my mentors came by and she's like, Mike, you were here all night last night and seven o'clock at night now, you know, why don't you go home? And I was like, oh, well, you know, I, this needs to be done. And I just wanted to check on this patient. And she said, there are people here that, that can do that. Uh, the hospital won't close if you leave. And then she said something that always stuck with me. And she said, the longer you work, the longer you work. And so it, I think it's important for everybody's health because that's how we gain some perspective is to step back. We can't kind of always be in it 24 seven. I work very hard when I work. Uh, I play hard when I play. And, you know, when I take a step back, I take a step back and, and try to turn it off. And, and it, it turns out that that is very important for our mental health as well. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I also completely agree with the, the longer you work, the longer you the work. The longer you work. <laughs> yeah, that is so true. So true. Well, you know, it comes, I'll share one more story real quick. And, and I got this, um, you know, uh, in, in a very direct way uh, my family had uh, at one time uh, a house on one of the the Carib caribbean islands so we always went there and for family vacation over over christmas and the holidays uh till my mom passed away and my dad ended up selling it and and i was back uh with my family there my dad had asked me to go up and get something to i don't remember what it was but something from the hardware store to fix the door and i drove up there and the sign says you know open at 10 o'clock I said, oh, okay, well, I wait 10, 10, 15, 10, 30. Oh, are you kidding me? So I, I, I come back. Long story short, I made about four trips and some, sometime in the late afternoon, I get back up there and the guy's just putting the key in the door to open for the day. <clears throat> I can assure you it was way past 10 o'clock. And uh, he's like, hey, can I, you know, he's very friendly and joyous. And he's like, hey, you know, what can I help you with today? I was like, well, you know, um, I think I could use this. It's only been waiting for it since 10 o'clock you know, kind of my New York smart ass, um, slightly irritated uh, presentation. And he just looked at me and he goes, hey man, it's an island, where are you going? Mm. And, and I thought for a second and I was like, damn, he's right, where am I going? It's a, you know, and I'm here on an island to enjoy myself and I ruined my entire day, you yeah. know? And, and so, that, that was the lesson there. The more you work, the more you work. And, and don't forget, you know, it, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. an island, man. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, what is one action step that you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to keep pushing the movement out there, getting it out there? 
well, um, you know, we just got word today that uh, uh, our show uh, that we had done a house calls with Chef Dr. Mike will be airing um, on Montana PBS uh, in the very near future. Uh, and there's an interest uh, potentially on, on sharing that. So if people uh, watch PBS or have their PBS station or, or just demand and go to YouTube when it's available there, you know, watch our TV show because uh, you know, I've been on The Doctors and, and, and other various shows. And what I could tell you is, you know, it's, it's about the size of that platform. So, you know, I, I love chatting with patients, but it's only a few people at a time. And there's only one of me. Um, when I was on The Doctors, I reached millions of people, you know, in 15 minutes. And so anything folks can do to support us and, and say, hey, you know, watch that YouTube video, subscribe to our YouTube channel, help that grow, because that's what these folks are looking like, looking at. And they're saying, well, um, we'd love to have you, you know, on this show and that show, uh, you know, how many people watch on YouTube? And the more people that sign up and subscribe and, and watch us on YouTube, uh, that, that can parlay into appearances on you know, the bigger screens and, and reach more people. And it just starts to snowball after that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Sounds good. Well, is there anything else you want to chat about? Before we uh, no, just uh, tell folks that, you know, please stop by www.chefdrmike.com. Uh, you can follow us on um, all the social media platforms, explore the website, enjoy the recipes. Um, I hope it becomes a resource for you. And, uh, and, and follow us along. Um, I invite you to the culinary medicine table. It is a feast beyond your imagining. Awesome. Well, Chef Dr. Mike, thank you so much for coming thank on you. the show. Thank and you, Timothy. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been great. we enjoyed having you on. And if you guys are listening to this and you like the idea of culinary medicine, and it's something you want to find out more about, make sure to connect with Chef Dr. Mike, go to his website, get on the YouTube channel, like, subscribe, share all that stuff. And like we always ask you at the end of every show, send this episode to one person that you know needs to hear it so we can impact their life too. Shoot us a five-star review on iTunes and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.